You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Three, two, one... But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Welcome in, everybody. Episode Tour Sports Podcast presented by Betfred Sportsbook. It is Wednesday, November 16th, 2022. People, I hope everybody's doing. I hope everybody is having a great day and hope everybody is ready for, I guess you would call it a little bit of a different episode of the Aaron Tour Sports Podcast. I don't think probably since March or April that we have done a full show with nothing but basketball. But that's what I think we'll do tonight. Obviously, the college football playoff poll came out on Tuesday night. There was no real shakeup at the top. And so because of it, we'll focus on college basketball. We had the Champions Classic on Tuesday night. We will open with Michigan State, the double overtime win over Kentucky. Kentucky fans, it's like the last season never ended. Ended disappointment in Indianapolis against St. Peter's. Starts with disappointment in Indy against Michigan State. We'll talk about that. I'll tell you why. You know, you have every right to be frustrated, but there also was some positives that come out of that. Also, of course, what this means for Michigan State. We will get to the second result of the night as Duke and Kansas played in the nightcap. And then we'll wrap with a couple other college hoops news and notes. One, Syracuse, they lost again. And you know what I've been telling you for years with Syracuse. It's time. It's time to put Jim Beheim. You know where it's time to put Jim Beheim. But Syracuse is an elite program. I believe they have the potential to be. They can get there. Maybe someday they will get there, not with Jim Beheim. And we'll wrap as another five-star. Bayfall commits to Arkansas. Oh, by the way, hate to brag, your boy Torres led the commitment video on Tuesday. All right, with that said, uh, let's get to the big game on Monday. Well, there were two big games, obviously, on Tuesday night in the Champions Classic. And what I'm going to do over the course of the college basketball season is when there is a big game, when there is a marquee game, at some points I am going to jump on YouTube, kind of do some quick, immediate reaction to some of the bigger games. Did it on Friday night live from the aircraft carrier uh, in uh, with Michigan and Gonza- Michigan State and Gonzaga. I am doing it again here on Tuesday night, Kentucky, Michigan State. Obviously, if you're watching on YouTube, I appreciate your support. Also, we are going to run this on the Wednesday Aaron Torres pot. But with that said, I do want to get to the game itself. Uh, And final score, 
you know, it was an interesting one. I don't know if it was good. I don't know if it was bad. The refs got in the way at times. There were a lot of turnovers. Frankly, it looked like November basketball. But credit to Michigan State, a few nights in a game that I was at after losing by 1.2 Gonzaga on that aircraft carrier, they bounced back with the 86-77 to win in not one, but two overtimes over Kentucky. And so I want to get into it. I want to break it down. And I want to start where I do, frankly, with a lot of the college football games and results and some of the bigger scores that we get in college football. Now, college basketball, it's not as life and death uh, when, when we talk about an individual game or result. But here's the bottom line. I say it with college college football all the time, and I'm going to say it again. Oftentimes, the more interesting story is in the losing locker room. And while I'd love to just pat Michigan State on the head and give them credit for a great win, and it was, in fact, a great win, I do think we have to start with Kentucky as, what is it, about eight, nine months after losing to St. Peter's in Indianapolis in the same building in a game that they were in control in late, they end up losing to Michigan State in much the same fashion, in control and regulation, have a chance to pull it out, in control, in overtime, have a chance to pull it out. Do not execute either time. Do not finish either time. And now they fall to two and one on the season overall. And when you talk about this game, again, listen, in the bigger picture, it's not that big of a deal. This isn't college football. If you lose one game, the season isn't over. But at the same time, I think where Kentucky fans are frustrated and where they should be on a night like tonight is with the execution late in the game. And frankly, you know, I saw my buddy Matt Jones, Kentucky Sports Radio tweet about this. A lot of the same problems that we have seen from Kentucky over the last couple years came to fruition late. Late in the game. They need buckets. The game isn't as loose. The other team is clamping down on defense. Kentucky doesn't really have an offense. And listen, you you guys and girls know me. I'm not X's and O's guy. I don't claim to have all the answers and tell you exactly what you should be doing. But you can see when a well-coached team is getting easy baskets like Michigan State late, frankly, and you can see when a team is struggling in the half court. That was exactly what happened with Kentucky. That was exactly uh, what happened late. Oh, by the way, the three-point shooting, which had been so good early in the year, once again failed them in a big game as they finished just 7 of 25 from 3. That's 28%. And so it's incredibly frustrating. I also think on top of that, On top of everything else, another thing that happened a lot late last year came to fruition on Tuesday night in Indianapolis. Oscar Shibwe was unbelievable. And when Oscar Shibwe fouled out, all of a sudden the offense went stagnant. And this was the problem last year. Remember, last year, late in the year, at at probably about middle to late February, we thought Kentucky might be the number one team in the country. Then again, it was much the same. Now, granted, they had some injuries last year, some problems maybe behind the scenes that we didn't realize. Kellen Grady's hurt. Severe Wheeler's never 100%. I get all that. But at the same time, late last year, the issue was creating offense. The issue was easy baskets. The issue was relying too much on Oscar Shibwe. And I do think that we saw a lot of that on Tuesday night. And so to be blunt, I completely understand where a Kentucky fan is walking out of the building in Indianapolis again, scratching their head, wondering what went wrong. How did this happen again? Now, with that said, I do want to say a few things about Kentucky before we get to Michigan State. One is for all the negativity, all the frustration. This is why, listen, people say, oh, Torres, you'd like to talk Kentucky. I like to talk Kentucky because they have among, I won't say they are the definitive, but among the most passionate fan bases in all of college basketball, and they care at a level 
that few fan bases in college basketball do. And so why do I bring it up? It's because I understand the frustration, but if you take a 30,000-foot view, just think about it like this. Twice in this game, late in the game, at the end of regulation and at the end of overtime, Kentucky was fouled up one with a chance to extend the lead to three in both situations. In both situations, unfortunately, it was the same player. I'm not criticizing. It's just a fact. Cason Wallace misses the front end of a one and one. He makes the back end, which allows Michigan State to tie the game to send it to overtime and double overtime, okay? But at the same time, at the end of the day, the bottom line is this. If he makes both of his free throws in either situation, it completely changes the trajectory of this game because now all of a sudden Michigan State can't run a great out-of-bounds play to get a wide-open look under the basket. They got to run. They got to get down the court. They got to make a three, and it's a completely different game. So for all the frustration, I also would say this. In a game coming in where you have a bunch of new players coming back off of injury, lineups that you haven't played, you were basically a free throw in regulation or a free throw in overtime of being in a great position to win. And so that's where I kind of want to end my thoughts on Kentucky. I do think there's some positives to come out of this, right? Part of it is, I think what we saw was, we saw what John Calipari talked about on Monday after DJ Wagner, the number one high school player in America, committed to Kentucky. If you remember, DJ Wagner commits. John Calipari does a little video with all the players of his number one, all the names of his number one ranked recruiting class on a t-shirt. And what he says is, guys, look, we're all excited, but you need to be patient with this team. Why did he put out that video? Why did he send that message? It's because I think he knew what was coming on Tuesday night. That's not an excuse for the late game execution, but you have to remember, at the end of the day, most of these guys have not played together for most of the fall. Jacob Toppin missed time with injuries. Oscar Shibway, this was the first game action that he had all year. Severe Wheeler missed time with injuries. Players have been in and out of the lineup. And so this is a process. It's going to take time. And I think if this team stays healthy, if this roster stays healthy, and if this game takes place, you know, December 11th instead of November 15th, it's a completely different deal. In terms of other positives for Kentucky, I mean, the biggest positive is you got back the National Player of the Year. And I will tell you this, I am blown away by how good, like, like we sometimes, there are certain people in sports that we take for granted. And I think Oscar Shibway is officially one. Guy hasn't played competitive basketball in weeks. Guy comes off the bench, doesn't even start. Guy unfortunately fouls out and still finishes with 22 points, 18 rebounds, and four blocks. So at the end of the day, Kentucky fans, no matter how bad it gets, you have yourselves Oscar Shibway, and you are going to be okay. I also thought, for the most part, that backcourt of Severe Wheeler and Cason Wallace looks really good. Severe Wheeler, I don't know if he can stay healthy, but if he can, this is a guy that is as good of a college point guard as I don't want to say anybody in college basketball, but finishes the game on Tuesday night with 16 points, eight assists, two steals, and he is so good at getting into the lane, finding his shot, finding offense around the rim. The key for him is going to be to stay healthy. And if you can pair him with Cason Wallace, who on, on, on Tuesday night was phenomenal with eight steals, I believe it tied a Kentucky record, you're going to be okay. Think about just what I told you. You have a force down low. You have a starting point guard who led the SEC in assists. You have a lockdown wing defender. That is a great place to start even with the frustrating loss on Tuesday night. 
Now you got to get the three-point shooting a little bit better. You got to work on the late-game execution. Again, I understand the frustration. It's one game. You have time to bounce back, and obviously uh, you know, you're going to find out really quickly uh, if you do bounce back because you play Gonzaga on Sunday. From the Michigan State perspective, listen, you know, I don't know that I learned a ton about them only because I got a chance to see him in person the other night in San Diego against Gonzaga. And what stands out to me about this Michigan State team, I think with this Michigan State team, we think Michigan State, we think big, physical, tough, mean, Big Ten, football on a basketball court. And it's like, that's not really who this Michigan State team is. They're led by their guards. Joey Hauser is kind of a stretch guy at the four. And this is going to be a really good team kind of playing a new era of college basketball looking very unlike Michigan State that we know. That Michigan State that we know that's physical and out-rebounds and out-toughs you, outside of the kid Mati Sissiko below, they really don't have those guys. But here's the good news. We saw how good the rest of their guys could be. Tyson Walker was unbelievable down the stretch. Hit a couple really big baskets. He's their starting guard. Joey Hauser, 23 points, four three-pointers. 20 points from Malik Hall, including those two big buckets to send it to overtime and to double overtime. And so if you're Michigan State, I just think you come out of this feeling really good. You're one shot away from beating Gonzaga, and you do take care of Kentucky in double overtime. Now, for Michigan State, it doesn't get any easier. Friday, you host Villanova. Then you go to the PK-80 tournament. But at the same time, you're one shot away against Gonzaga from being 3-0 and right now with wins over Kentucky and Gonzaga, who both started the season ranked in the top 25, top five, excuse me. So look, from a Kentucky fan perspective, I get the frustration. I would also say, listen, it's one game. You got time to figure things out. And I'll say this too. I don't think there's going to be many days where uh, Antonio Reeves and CJ Frederick shoot a combined two for 12 from three. So look, not the performance you wanted, especially after the way things ended last year, especially in the exact same building. But does not mean he can't get better. And look, here's the great part. This is not the typical John Calipari schedule where you play the Champions Classic and then you don't play anybody forever. Get home, get rested, get ice, get Oscar Shibway healthy and get ready for Gonzaga because you're flying out to Spokane later this week. And for Michigan State, heck of a win, heck of a All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred app. Listen, by now, you know the deal, but I love working with these guys and girls. Started in 1967 in the UK, over 1,600 shops. They have come to the U.S. and made a major splash, okay? They are the presenting sponsor of the Cincinnati Bengals, of the Denver Broncos, of the Colorado Rockies. I told you before, they also were the basically the bodyguard and the muscle behind Mattress Mac during the World Series run. And that's what I love about working with Bedford. Not just the big names and the organizations and the this and the that. I love that they take care of their betters better than anybody. Mattress Mac bets with them. They travel the World Series with him. Uh, we've sent listeners of the Aaron Torres pod to VIP tailgates at the Broncos game. Uh, first pitch of the Colorado Rockies games. The Cincinnati Bengals Betfred suite is bumping, baby. We're going to try to get some of you there later this season. Stay tuned on that. So that is what I love about Betfred. They take care of their customers. And here is the special offer that they have for you. Bet 50 on any game this season. Any game this week, no matter who you like, doesn't matter, college or pro. Bet 50 
get 250 in free bets. Courtesy of the Betfred Sportsbook. You cannot get that anywhere else. Thank you to Betfred Sportsbook. They are our presenting sponsor of the Aaron Torres pod and much, much, much more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back. Bracket Fanatics. Bracket Fanatics is the sponsor of our Aaron Torres Pod NFL Pick'em Challenge. By now, you know the deal. We've worked with Bracket Fanatics four years with the NCAA tournament, but they have expanded to now include NFL football season-long brackets. And if you have not entered the Aaron Torres Pod NFL Pick'em Challenge, here's the good news. It's not too late. Go to BracketFanatics.com, join Bracket, Bracket name Torres, and you're automatically entered to win the great prizes that Bracket Fanatics is providing all year. these Those prizes, well, we're giving out $100 weekly winners, $1,000 season-long cash prize. Last week's week uh, 9 winner, would, uh, week 10 winner, excuse me, was BC Castaldo. Congratulations to BC. He's already been contacted by uh, Bracket Fanatics. And if you have not entered, it's not too late. Enter, pick games. All you got to do is make picks. Pick those games, and when it happens, automatically entered to win $100 weekly cash prizes. And it's not too late to be entered to win the $1,000 season-long cash prize. Now, you're going to have to make up some ground, but it's not too late. You can start your own bracket with friends there, bracketfanatics.com. But to join our bracket, join Bracket tab, bracket name Torres, tell them Torres sent you, bracketfanatics.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Let's get to the rest of the the Tuesday night slate. 
uh, in college hoops. And, and, you know, a couple of things. One, obviously we just talked about Michigan state and Kentucky disappointing night for Kentucky fans. Uh, but that game finishes. And then we get to a second game that I thought in many ways was just as interesting as the first one. First off, it was interesting. It was obviously Duke, Kansas, the second part of the champions classic. It was fascinating because of not just who was playing, but who wasn't on the sidelines. No coach K for Duke. John Shire in his first marquee game as the head coach of the Duke basketball program. And then, oh, by the way, Bill Self, not on the sidelines for Kansas. He is serving a short suspension to start the year as part of the never-ending probe into Kansas basketball that was part of the FBI investigation. When the game gets started, when the game gets played, when the game gets tipped a little bit later than anticipated, of course, because the Kentucky-Michigan State game went to double overtime, it was just a weird game, man. Like, not a good game, not a bad game, just a weird game. Kansas jumps out to a big lead early. In a lot of ways, you know what it reminded me of? It almost reminded me of, you know how, like, in football, you watch the NFL, you watch college football, you have a great offensive mind, Steve Sarkeesian, Lane Kiffin, Brian Dable in the NFL, whoever, and the, the sharp offensive mind, his team is just out, like, up 14 nothing before you can even blink. They script out a few series. They get a couple easy plays. They're ahead by a lot to a little to start the game. Then the game settles down and it balances itself out. And that was exactly what happened in the Kansas Duke game on Tuesday night. Kansas was in complete control early. Then all of a sudden you look up like late in the first half and it was kind of a close game. And you're sitting there saying, how is Duke so close? And then the second half starts. And I actually thought Duke largely controlled the second half of the game. Uh, I, I thought their freshmen, specifically Tyrese Proctor and Kyle Filipowski, we'll get to them in a minute. They played really well. Duke is all of a sudden in control with about five minutes to go. Kansas ends the game on a 15 to five run and they get the victory. Now, in terms of the positives for Kansas, what I would say is this. They have two starters back from last year's national championship team, and they were probably the two most important players on the court. Jalen Wilson, a six, eight, six, nine forward finishes the game with 22 points. I would argue that he was probably the second best player, in, or excuse me, 25 points and 11 rebounds. I would argue he was probably the second best player on the court all night behind only Oscar Sheebway from Kentucky, but he finishes with 25 points, 11 rebounds, five assists, makes a bunch of big plays late and helps them seal the victory. The other thing was, if you just look at the box score or if you watch the game, Kansas moved the ball uh, much more efficiently, and it was in large part because Dewan Harris, the other holdover from last year's national championship game, finishes with 10 assists. How about this? Dewan Harris has 10 assists. Duke as a team has eight assists, and Duke looks very much like a bunch of guys that have never played a high-leverage basketball game together. Bunch of freshmen, a bunch of young players, a new head coach. Duke kind of had that look throughout most of the game. Now, in terms of Kansas, a couple other thoughts really quickly. One, uh, first of all, I thought the, the freshman Grady Dick played really well, uh, finished with six, or excuse me, with 12 points. Uh, I'm trying to find it here. He finished with 14 points, excuse me. First, I was going to say 16, then I was going to say 12. 14 turns out to be just right. Kind of a weird game for him. Phenomenal early. Then he starts getting abused on defense. Duke is just attacking him. The assistant coach that's coaching Kansas pulls him out. Uh, Duke goes on a run, then Kansas puts him back in. He gets a bunch of buckets late, helps seal the victory. So basically great on offense, got killed on defense, and they had to use him sparingly in the second half once Duke figured it out. 
Um, and, you know, Kevin McCullough, the transfer from Texas Tech, was pretty good overall as well, 12.6 rebounds. Now, in terms of Kansas, what I would say is a couple things. One, great win to open the season. All that matters is that you're you're 1-0 in marquee games, uh, 2-0 overall. Uh, but at the same time, when I do look at this game, I would say this about Kansas. Now, it is uh, – I want to be fair. I want to be fair. Kansas fans will get on me. One of their best players, MJ Rice, was not available. He's a freshman projected by some to be kind of a late first round, early second round type pick. McDonald's All-American. But I bring it up because it was funny. I was texting with my buddy, Zach Kroll, uh, covers uh, college hoops for us at Aaron Torres Online, the College Hoops Today podcast. If you're not listening, make sure to subscribe there. But I've been talking to Zach, you know, all offseason, and he's been really a little bit down on Kansas just in general of, what do they do really special? What do they do at an elite level? I mean, even last year, yeah, you watched them. They were a bunch of older college players, but they still ended up with two first-round picks in Ochai Abaji and Christian Brown. This was last year that I'm talking about. And so I bring it up because I, I was watching Kansas, and I don't really know what they do at an elite level. I don't think they have elite players. Jalen Wilson's a very good college player. As I said, 25 points, 11 rebounds. I don't know if he's a guy that can take over games, though, when you absolutely need him to, especially late in the year when he's the focal point of the scouting report. Dewan Harris, the kid that had 10 assists, solid college player, but is he a guy that's going to put you on his back and lead a team to victory when everybody knows that he's going to have the ball late? I don't know. Remains to be seen. Finished the, the game. They didn't shoot the ball well. They got completely out-rebounded. And I look at this Kansas team, and I just say, listen, I trust Bill Self. You guys know I've been critical of him. But I also think he's probably the best coach in college basketball right now. If he's not number one, he's right up there with Kel Kelvin Sampson and whoever else. I just don't think this team is that talented. And so I'm curious to see what happens throughout the rest of the non-conference play. They have a brutal non-conference schedule. They play uh, Kentucky in the uh, uh, at, at Kentucky later on in the season. They play Indiana at home. They play a couple other marquee games. I believe they play Seton Hall at some point. They play in the Bahamas tournament where they'll play potentially Tennessee, USC, teams like that. And so I look at this team and I see a team with a bunch of good college players. I just don't know if they can take over games late, but credit to them for getting the win. From the Duke perspective, I'll actually say I think it's the exact opposite. I think sometimes, again, especially in college basketball, we talked about this earlier with the Michigan State-Kentucky game. I think we this isn't college football. We don't have to strictly get caught up with the wins and losses and results as much as trends, right? Like, like I was on the aircraft carrier on Friday night. Gonzaga gets the win. I didn't feel great about Gonzaga because I didn't think they played very well. We're going to learn more about them on Wednesday when they play Texas. We're going to learn more about them on Sunday when they play Kentucky. But I just bring it up because this is college basketball, and you don't have to overreact to every single uh, result and say, because this team won, they're the greatest thing, and because they lost, they're the worst thing. And so I bring it up because I look at Duke and I say, like, Duke lost? I actually came away kind of impressed with them. First of all, I know Kansas was missing players too. It's a weird early start to the season where everybody seems to have injured players. But at the same time, you look at this Duke team, you look at this Duke team, uh, they were without potentially their best NBA player in Dariq Whitehead, five-star top five prospect wing player, potential not only one and done, he's a certain one and done potential top five pick. Another top five pick, Derek Lively, is coming off injury, barely played, played off the bench. He was basically uh, a, a putback guy down low. And so they didn't have two super marquee players, really anything close to 100%. One wasn't available at all. 
and they still almost won this game without him. And what was impressive was they seemed to do it in the second half when their freshman, the other freshman, just took over. Tyrese Proctor, a guard that signed late out of Australia, finishes with nine points, all of them in the second half. And Kyle Filipowski, who I saw a little bit in high school, I wasn't overwhelmed by him, finishes with 17 points and 14 boards, and he was probably the best player on the floor for Duke. And so you think about the players that they have coming back. You think about those freshmen that completely dominated a big stretch of the second half without the two other good freshmen. Jeremy Roach, the one returning player, finishes with 16 points. And I think you kind of got to feel like if you're Duke, like there's a lot of positives to take out of this game. Finished with 18 turnovers. That will probably go down. And you're going to get back two marquee players. And so I don't want to just do like the whole, don't worry about Duke. Losses mean nothing. No, losses mean something. We talked about it with Kentucky. We talked about it with Michigan State on the aircraft carrier on Friday. Um, But I also just look at this game and say like, I actually kind of feel like they were in great position late and just couldn't close out a victory. Something that I would assume will get sorted out over the course of the season. Now we'll see. First-year head coach, young players, young team. But I actually come out of this game feeling all right about Duke, just thinking to myself that, you know what, at the end of the day, they were in position to win this late, even if they didn't close it. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So that's my thought on the Champions Classic. Uh, and I do want to wrap just with a couple other stories uh, from across the world of college basketball. And I'll tell you what. You know something that's going to make where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong this week? It's going to be Syracuse basketball. So Syracuse basketball, I have been on them for about five or six years now. Basically, I just think it's time for Jim Beheim to retire. I think he's checked out. I don't think he cares. I think his whole modus operandi is he wants to work because he has nothing else to do. I think his goal is to just get into the tournament and see if he can figure out a way to win games there. Why do I bring it up? Well, it is because on Tuesday night, they hosted Colgate at home, they being Syracuse, and they lose 80 to 68. And I'll be blunt. I actually watched some of this game when I saw this score. It wasn't really even that close. As a matter of fact, they trailed by 14 points at halftime uh, and really just never really got much closer. By the way, they hit a three at the buzzer to make it a 12-point game instead of a 15-point game. Syracuse got punked at home. And so I've been saying for years, so first of all, what it goes back to is this. Obviously, growing up in Connecticut, in the Northeast, I know a lot about the Syracuse basketball program in part because they were a huge rival of UConn's when I was growing up. But at the same time, I have been to games at the Carrier Dome. And unless you've been to a big game at the Carrier Dome, I don't think you can realize how great that venue is, how much people in central New York love college basketball and love the Syracuse Orange, and how disappointing and underachieving this program has been for about the last seven, eight years. Now, it gets covered up because they've made a couple nice tournament runs. But at the same time, here are the last seven or eight years of of Syracuse basketball. 19 and 15 in 2017, 23 and 14 in 2018, 20 and 14 in 2019, 18 and 14 in 2020, 
18 and 10 in 2021, 16 and 17 last year, and they are already one and one with a loss to Syracuse or loss to Colgate this year. So I'm not great at math, but basically every year since 2014, they have lost at least, or 2015, excuse me, they have lost at least 13 games, except for the 2021 season with COVID, where they only played 28 games overall. And this is a program that is regressing. This is a brand in college basketball that continues to decline. And I'm not saying this is like a UConn fan that wants to see them fail. I'm a college basketball fan that wants all the best programs operating at the highest level. And so to see this program continue to struggle, I'm just going to say it. I'm going to keep saying it. Listen, I get that Jim Beheim's a legend. I get that he won a million games over the course of a million years, and we need to give him credit for that. At the same time, it is clear to me that this guy is not putting into the job what he needs to. And if he was anybody else, he probably would have been let go by now. At the end of the day, I believe Syracuse is one of the top 15 jobs in the sport. It has an unreal home court advantage. And I just think this program is wasting away. The longer they wait, the longer they let John Shire get established and Hubert Davis get established and Kenny Payne, who I know lost again on Tuesday night, but I think he's going to get it figured out at some point. You go on and on down the list. Virginia is good. Florida State, although they're struggling, is good. This Syracuse program needs a jolt. And we've been in a decade plus kind of lull now where, yes, sometimes you get to the tournament and you have some level of success. But why do we have to wait until March to figure it out? So I just truly believe this is a program going in the wrong direction. I saw this score and had to talk about it. Syracuse loses at home to Colgate. I think at this point, Jim Beheim is one of the most underachieving coaches in college basketball. I get it. He's a legend. It's time for him to go. Finally, I'd be remiss if I did not get out of here without talking about one more college basketball story, and it came from the world of recruiting. On Monday, Tuesday's show, the news happened on Monday. On Tuesday's show, we talked about DJ Wagner, the number one high school player in America, committing to Kentucky. Well, on Tuesday into Wednesday, another five-star committed, and it was a big one, literally and figuratively. So a kid named Bayfall, who is currently, according to 24-7 Sports, he is... The number 14 ranked player in the country, a five-star player, down to a couple schools, including Arkansas, including Alabama, or including Auburn, excuse me, not Alabama, Auburn and Arkansas, makes his college decision, and drumroll, please. Bayfall, 6'10 forward, from Colorado. he's from another country, but he lives in Colorado now, commits to the University of Arkansas. And oh, by the way, Shout out to the Arkansas basketball social media feed. Uh, I saw they did a commitment video for him. And you know whose voice led the commitment video? It wasn't Coach Muss. It wasn't Corliss Williamson. It wasn't Bill Clinton, famed Arkansan. It was your boy, Aaron Torres. So shout out to Arkansas basketball and shout out to Arkansas basketball's coaching staff on closing another five-star. What I would say about this kid is a couple things. Got a chance to see him over the summer. This kid's a really good player, okay? Six foot ten. Um, and what I would say is about this guy, I, I saw him play at the Adidas Championships in LA over the summer. And what I would say is for I think many of you have probably been to like AAU basketball tournaments and you probably get the idea of what they are, right? Four or five courts, 
games going on at the same time. You don't really know what you're watching and who you're watching. That's why you need really good assistant coaches to kind of direct the head coach where he needs to go. But I bring it up because you sit in these gyms for long enough. And ultimately, all these guys kind of start to look the same. They run, they jump, they shoot, they miss, they this, they that, they whatever. Bayfall looks like nobody in college basketball, in high school basketball, okay? About six foot 10, super long, super athletic. Um, and credit to Arkansas's coaching staff. As I said, that LA event, the Adidas Championships, he played the first game of the day. I was there. And the Arkansas coaching staff came right into the gym, sat right in the front row, watched him, let him know that he was a priority, as did Bruce Pearl, as did did Chris Beard, as did did a couple other coaches, but Arkansas ultimately gets their man. Now, in terms of what I think he's going to bring to Arkansas, listen, another five-star player and what I think is going to be another really good team next year. For people who do not follow Arkansas recruiting, they also have a five-star guard by the name of Layden Blocker. Five stars, I said, about 6'3", another super athletic guy. And when I think about those two players specifically, they fit the bill of what a Coach Must player looks like. Coach Must being Eric Musselman from Arkansas. Super athletic, defend really hard, play both ends of the floor, um, you know, switchable, all of those things. Um, and I think they're going to fit in seamlessly. Now, what is the Arkansas roster going to look like at this time next year? In the world of college basketball in 2022, 2023, going into 2024, it's impossible to know. But Arkansas has a lot of young freshmen. They're not all going pro. They have a couple uh, 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 transfers that are are going to be that are on the roster this year that are going to be back. But regardless of who Arkansas gets, they are going to be. Um, a really good team, and Layden Blocker and this kid Bay Fall are two really good building blocks. Finally, what I would say, man, and this is what I said uh, on the video that was shared by Arkansas Basketball. This is just further proof, man. Eric Musselman, his staff, has turned Arkansas basketball into a great brand where great players want to play, okay? One, it starts with the actual product on the court. You got to win games that matters. And few people have won as many games over the last couple of years as the Arkansas Razorbacks. Everybody knows last two NCAA tournaments, you go to back-to-back elite eights, deepest run for any SEC team in each of the last two tournaments. You have crazy winning streaks in the middle of both of those seasons, but just as importantly, and I think this is important. He's putting guys in the NBA right now, right? Moses Moody is in the NBA already has an NBA championship ring as part of the Golden State Warriors after coming from Arkansas. Jalen Williams gets drafted last year. J.D. Note is getting a shot. Oh, by the way, this coming NBA draft in 2023, I think Arkansas might have three, four, five players potentially drafted with the three McDonald's All-Americans, Anthony Black, Nick Smith, and Jordan Walsh, not to mention Trevon Brazil and Ricky Council, the two transfers who have been awesome early in the year. And so credit to Coach Muss, he has turned Arkansas into a cool school, a cool brand, and more importantly, a place where great high school players or great transfers, because I think they're going to have some really good transfers this year who are NBA caliber players, but great transfers can come and prove, basically they can come there And in one year, no different than at Kentucky, no different than at Duke, no different than at Memphis, no different than wherever. They can do what they need to do. They can win at the highest level. They can play under an NBA-level coaching staff, and they can go to the next level. One of the big things 
that Eric Musselman on his uh, uh, social media accounts, he sells few programs, maybe no programs. I don't know all the exact details right now, but few programs, if any, have a coaching staff with as much NBA experience as Arkansas does. Coach Muss obviously was an NBA head coach, was in the pros for 20 years. Key Smart, one of their assistants, was in the NBA forever. They have former pros in on their staff, former NBA players on their staff. That is what they're selling, and that is very clearly working as Bayfall, a five-star from Colorado, commits to Arkansas. The Big Pig Invasion is here, baby. By the way, new Big Pig Invasion shirts are in and ready to go. With that said, I think it's time for me to get out of here. I want to thank you guys and girls for listening to today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. If you are not subscribed, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure to subscribe. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram. Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. No Thursday show. Hope you enjoyed the all college hoop show today, by the way. I will be back on Friday. New episode previewing the college football weekend that will be. And of course, everything else that goes on over the next couple days. With that said, time for me to get out of here. Shout out to Torn Crank. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, UF head. Unblock me, bro. I'll be back Friday. New episode of the Aaron Torres Pop. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.